Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello and welcome to the, uh, well, penultimate for the season, I would imagine. Uh, Poetry Motion with me, Neil Fitz, as Liverpool um, ends a, um, well, hard fought but ultimately frustrating campaign by their standards. I am joined by two, two of the big hitters to just sign off the season with. Thank you very much for, for giving up your time, guys. Theo Squires is here. Hiya, Theo. Hi, Fitzy. How you doing, pal? Yeah, it would be a bit better if uh, the top four dream wasn't... Oh, I suppose it's still alive at the moment, just about, but it'll be dead by the time some people are listening to this. It'd be better if it was still on, wouldn't it, if we're going to the last day? Well, I think Gandalf and Carol Vordman couldn't work out these maths uh, in our favour. <laughs> but hey, you never know. Joe Rimmer is with me. How are you doing, Joe? I'm all right, and, and I'm all right about the Europa League. I've made me peace with it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a potential Dublin final, which I can't stop talking about. So, And also... Um, Domestically, the only trophy the club hasn't won said it was Liverpool. So, yeah, I mean, we got to put right the 2016 wrongs, I suppose. That's that's um, that's looking at it um, with positive, with a positive frame of mind, anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one game to go. Southampton, of course. Uh, Bill currently sitting fifth in the league, fifth, 37 points played, and 66 points. Uh, United have a game in hand, and. Um, and are on 69 points. Uh, Newcastle are on uh, 70. So, not we can do about Newcastle. United are the possible ones who could slip up or to slip up twice. Um, I think they're both at home, aren't they? Both United's games are home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chelsea then Fulham. Yeah. I mean, you know, it sums up the season really when you think Fulham might have a chance. Not sure about Chelsea, yeah. but. Comes in all offers. It all started in, in Fulham, really, didn't it? It all starts with. Away game. Did that end up a 2-2 draw, that? Yeah. yeah very, very hard for one. The first time we kind of looked and thought, oh, these aren't as sharp as they were the other week. Um, and uh, and then that seemed to be the case of things, really, didn't it? Um, what do you put it down to, then? I'm going to ask you both. What do you put it down over the, the mire of the of the season and what's happened? Obviously, we've got injuries. I'll let you guys talk down. I'll start with you, Theo. Um, in... in Pure, you know, dissertation uh, style. Um, <laughs> the, the season, the season we've just had, discuss. <laughs> they've been playing catch up, haven't they, since the very beginning? Like they decided last summer not to sign a midfielder, and we can talk about this all day long whether it was the right or wrong decision. Club sources at the time were saying it will be judged on the pitch, our whole past policy, our transfer stance. Well, I suppose a year on, we can now judge it on the pitch and say, yeah, it was the wrong decision. Liverpool should have strengthened midfield last year. But they had so many options that just nearly won a quadruple. You can understand why they wanted to go with what they had. But then they lost, what was it, five of the midfielders to injury before they even got to the end of August. So that's bringing Artemelo. 
And they've just been playing catch-up ever since. It's like the players that have been fit, they've had to play too much. Uh, so then they get injuries and then you're rushing the ones who are already injured back. And it just feels like there's never really been that depth in the squad and they're dropping points, weren't playing well. They didn't have the energy because they're all knackered. Having had a, a mid-season World Cup, not a long enough pre-season, a really intense season last year. And then it's only when what, they get limited and aided out of the Champions League and they get players back from injury, they start to look like themselves again in the last few weeks. Now, that, those are just excuses, aren't they? Like At the same time, Liverpool should have planned better for this season. There should have been a way that they could have avoided some of these injuries or brought in enough bodies to get around it. They gambled on what we've got is enough to get us through another year, and it just wasn't. Um, they've been great for the past, what, six weeks, seven weeks in this new change of formation, was in the best of trend in this new inverted role. Salah's still put in another 30-goal season, so there are still positives there but it still feels like a massive waste of time for what they could have done if they had taken those next steps. Like they missed out on Jude Bellingham. They might be missing out on more targets here. You're seeing them linked with players that they were linked with 12 months ago. It's like, just go back a year and make different decisions. Maybe we'd all be a little bit happier about the season as it's coming to an end. At the very least, you hope Liverpool can take lessons from it. But yeah, it has been a disappointing season all round, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, you know, we we had this problem, we had this issue two seasons ago, didn't we? We had the centre back issue that, that really yeah. very nearly came unstuck. Um, and uh, and then it, it just drifted down that road again. It's it's hard not to feel um, that there's a lack of ambition higher up the uh, higher up the ranks, isn't it? It's hard not to see that there's there hasn't been enough forward planning. There seems to have been. You know, quite a lot of personnel changes and stuff. It's it's it, it's a restructuring, and 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 we're going to have to hope that it's a restructuring that Liverpool get the benefit from Joe for next season. Yeah, I mean, you can't help but feel that this season and that one you just mentioned, the two wasted seasons, really, in a, in what has been a glittering era. But you know, you you look through those those two seasons, and they're just glaringly obvious parts of the team where they, they weren't touched the centre halves that year, midfield this year. And I just think, I wish they would take more chances. You know, they, they missed out on Tushimeni last summer. And then, you know, it, it just, they always seem to try and be the most sensible people in the room and go, you know what, we'll we'll wait a year and get who we want. But it doesn't always work like that. And they've waited a year and not got who they really wanted. And they, they might be scrambling around for third or fourth choice targets now. So it, it, it's frustrating that, and I think, Klopp bad it frustrating because it's the first year I've seen him hint really one or two things about the the, the ownership or the hierarchy at the club that he, he's not happy that they don't take chances. So, I mean, I think this summer they're going to have to take some, um, but perhaps not the ones they wanted to. So, yeah, I mean, this season's been like a combination of of everything, hasn't it? Just I just had a look back where you were talking at the early season fixtures because I, I kind of blocked that all out. But you know, I'm I'm a big believer in momentum, and I think when you start the season with I didn't think they were that bad at Fulham. Looking back at that game, or you know, the, the draw, they had chances. Fulham just sort of felt like they had that that early season bounce, and um, so they draw there, then the Palace draw, and then losing away at United, and you know that's three games gone into the season, and you, you've not won one of them. And and I think, I think Liverpool sometimes the way they are allow that to to build, and yeah, they never really got themselves back going, did they? And injuries, we've talked about a length, obviously midfield signings and, and just it's been setback at setback and just losing some really, really bad games, leads at home and you know, others like that. Yeah. Nottingham Forest away, drawing with Palace at home, Bournemouth away, just 
really annoying results in previous years that, that have gone and won those games because you, know, you, you can lose at Old Trafford, you can lose at the Emirates, you, you can sometimes be outplayed, but some of the scrappy ones that they've lost has been really frustrating. So it's annoying that they're missing out on the Champions League because then they've got to get put together this run, which kind of reminds you how good they can be. And I'm, I'm still convinced, I've said on the pods in the last couple of weeks, I'm still convinced that they'll be City's closest challengers next season because I don't think that anyone, I don't think any other team is capable of putting together the runs that Liverpool can put together when they, when they, when they, you know, when they, when they do it. But yeah, it, you know, you look at some of those results, Leeds at home, and, and just think they're going to miss out the Champions League by a point, and they lost at home to Leeds United, who look like they're going to go down, and, and it just have been awful. So it's it's a frustrating one. Um, I just hope that like you can take the positives. You know, I talk about Dublin. I'm only half joking. I still think that's that's a positive to take into next season. Try and aim for that, and 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 try and buy one or two players that perhaps are going under the radar and. I bounce back, and I think they will. I think they will. I'm quite confident about next season already, with a good summer behind them and with a couple of good signings and, and with the bit between the teeth. I think they can bounce back. You know, the two Chelsea draws are probably two of the worst ones for me because it seems like every week they get battered by another new team. It's like, well, why couldn't Liverpool do that? Those would have been the points they needed, and we're talking about all these frustrating results. Liverpool did the double over Newcastle. They got the head-to-head superior record over United courtesy of that 7-0 win. And it's still not going to be enough. That, that shows deeper down all the issues they've had this season. Yeah, it's often, it's often been the case, hasn't it, where you know Liverpool have sort of swept aside the lower clubs and found it difficult to live with the big boys. But but over recent years, of course, we haven't done that. We've done both. We've been able to sweep aside and have been able to live with the big boys. This season, we still held our heads up high against the big boys. It was them little clubs. We didn't like being pressed. We didn't have the energy to to to, to do anything with the press. Our passion was slow and stuff. And it was that age-old thing again. In fact, Villa did it very nicely at the weekend. That age-old thing of, well, we're going to get loads of people behind the ball, give you most of the possession. Let's see what you can try and do with it. And we'll hit you on the counter. Big difference being, of course, the high line, Theo, didn't have the energy that it had to, to cover its back, did it? And while while we had Trent doing this role that we knew he, he would wander the previous seasons, but this season seemed to be a very, very specific role for him, didn't it, to float out of out of his right back position and float float into centre mid, and it still wasn't fully handled. When it worked, it worked, and he became incredibly creative. But when it didn't, we saw it again against against Villa. A goal over the top, back stick. He's not really concentrating on who's behind him, um, and this slot went in. So when teams did that thing, it was the old Plan B we used to talk about, didn't we? We still don't really have a Plan B. I think the best attempt, the best player to try and utilise a Plan B was Poppy Firmino. Ironically, because he used to float into places that that was hard for them to keep their line, so they would have to draw players out to try and cover them. We're going to lose that now. Gakpo has impressed me massively, but we're going to lose the style of finesse and we're going to lose the brain of Bobby Firmino. But it's those teams, isn't it, Theo, that sort of go right, try and break us down. The other teams seem to be able to break down, and people seem to struggle to do. I think Ancelotti said it, didn't he, after the Champions League final, that Liverpool are predictable and how they, they're going to play, that they want to make use of those spaces in behind you and they're going to leave gaps themselves at the back. So it's like maybe Carlo Ancelotti's broken Liverpool here because as soon as Real Madrid did it in that final, it's felt like everyone's been able to do it since. Um, Liverpool would throw more bodies forward when they were getting frustrated in games, but it was just that passive side-to-side passing. And as, as you said, as soon as they got pressed, lost possession, or they were second to the, the second balls, never mind the, the first ones. And they've just left the massive gaps in behind, so much space in behind. 
and you've got Trent in no man's land. You've got a, a right centre-back trying to cover two positions at once. Fabinho just not able to run anymore. Chasing shadows, picking up bookings galore. It's like so many gaps there. and It's so easy for these uh, opposing teams to pick Liverpool off that way. At least in recent weeks when they've had Trent in this new role, they've seemed to have a better understanding of what's required. Like Fabinho doesn't have to cover as much ground because he's now got that player next to him as a, a number six. Canate's actually got the pace to cover that right side of the pitch. Still, some holes there, some gaps, but they've managed it a lot better. The concern there is as soon as you lose one of those players to injury, who comes in? Like We've seen that earlier in the season when Van Dijk was injured or when Canate uh, was injured, but Matip wasn't really having his best season. Joe Gomez was so low on confidence. But like these are weaknesses Liverpool have had for a, a long time. Like There was still a way you could expose them when they're at their absolute best, but they still had... Fabinho, who was like two players. Van Dijk, who was like two players. So it could counter that. It could cover that. And then Alisson saving so many goals. So this is something else they need to address. They need to make sure they've got the depth. They've got players in the starting eleven who are actually at the best of their abilities. And they can just counter for their weaknesses. And it's not just a case of a team sitting deep. We're not going to score. And then they're going to hit us on the counter and get away with a scrappy 1-0. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, it's interesting, Joe. You mentioned it as well before. Liverpool have had chances in every game, haven't they, really? They haven't really. They just haven't converted them chances. There's definitely a confidence dip. There's no doubt about that. I don't care how much money you're on. Your body doesn't know how much money you're on. Your body knows confidence, and your body knows not to be confident. There were a lot of two players uh, in that team uh, who, who dipped in confidence, and that centre midfield area really struggled. Ironically, I think Liverpool's season turned on the efforts of of two youngsters, didn't didn't he really? And Stefan Pesetic and 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 and, and latterly Curtis Jones, who seems to have had a new lease of life. I think he's had a little bit of time, obviously, whilst he was injured, to look at the kind of role that he's meant to be playing in that team. And uh, and he's come into it, and he gave. I think he seems to sort of he seems to give a bit of relief to 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 um, Fabinho to be able to take that bit longer on the ball. And it seems to to, uh, to steady the ship a little bit, Joe. So it's the it's the youngsters really coming to the rescue, isn't it? And not the multi-million pound players, but, but the ones that we already had that seem to be coming to the rescue for us. Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's another parallel, isn't it, with with that season in twenty twenty one? And and I do find one thing odd about Klopp in the sense that in twenty twenty one he he sort sort of tried everyone at centre half before he tried um, Reese Williams and, and Nat Phillips and that. That was the combination that sort of settled Liverpool down and, and and got them moving back up the league. And this season, I know Jones has had his injuries, but 
I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that he, he came back from injury and wasn't even in the Liverpool squad for a, for a good handful of games before um, before he just dropped straight back into the lineup and hasn't come out of it since. And you know, I, 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 maybe Klopp was just playing the long game with him, trying to get him fully fit before he got him playing football again. Um, but it did seem odd that he didn't seem that keen on him, and then brings him back in. And now you probably look at Curtis Jones as saying he's one of the people that will be featuring next season. Um, Ditto, but Basetic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think he's been great, and I think in terms of Fabinho, I've always, I'm, I'm less worried about him than I am others because I kind of always think that Fabinho needs legs around, him. and I think what we've seen with him previously is him trying to sort of cover for for others and then getting caught out of position, and and usually Fabinho positionally is very good, isn't he? And he seems to time things quite well, and now he has legs around him again. I think he's starting to improve. So hopefully, with a couple of signings. Fabinho can can be better and back to his best next season. Um, but yeah, what I think they just need is people who are reliable, people who stay fit. What what you know, Curtis Jones has has been good, but he stayed fit. He stayed fit for probably the longest run of games in the last several years that, that he's played for Liverpool. So they they need more players that do that because in the last few years in midfield especially they've got too many people who come in, play two, get injured, and we start again. And we've seen that with. Thiago, Cater, Oxlade, Henderson, Milner. The list goes on, doesn't it, of, of injury-prone players. So, you know, if they're going after McAllister, one good thing about him is he, he seems to have played all season for Brighton, played in the World Cup. Touch wood, doesn't seem to have had many injury problems. And and um, hopefully that's the type of player they're going for because they just need consistency. And I, I think that about Klopp midfield. I don't think necessarily... They obviously have to be disciplined and good at, uh, um, you know, tactical stuff. But the main thing about them is they need to be physically good and they need to be fit um, because, you know, the forward line is, is brilliant and the back line is, it's got good good players in it as well. So I just think the, the midfield, they need to be fit. They need to be able to be good tactically and hopefully they can do that next year. Need that's Genie Wijnaldum. But that's it. But Genie Wijnaldum wasn't like this. I mean, he was better than he got credit for, perhaps technique-wise, but he was strong on the ball, wasn't he? He was fit. He got around the pitch. He, he used it quite simply, but I, I don't think you wouldn't you look what he's happened to him since. You can't just stick him in another team and he, he performs as well. And certain players fit Liverpool, don't they? And he fit in perfectly. It is that kind of play player we need. We kind of need that strong midfield player. I mean, ultimately, one of the worst things that's come out of this season for me is the Jude Bellingham saga. And you know, we've gone on about this the season before. He's been loaded with us before. He's been wined and dined and. Uh, and potentially going to play, and then and then when it got to it, it was it was um, it was all a bit embarrassing, really, wasn't it? And there are still people, some people saying, "Oh, Jude Bellingham thing isn't over yet." And if Real Madrid don't go on for him, it's likely they will. Since they got an absolute spanking at, at Man City, and the, and the midfield were absolutely atrocious for the first time, weren't they, uh, in a while, showing signs of of decay. So it is likely that Bellingham would would fit the Real Madrid bill uh, when it comes to that. But you know. Even with what was happening with us during this season, Theo, um, it was the it was it was the lack of prevention that, that that really annoyed me. It was the fact that when a transfer window opened, and we don't know the politics of a transfer window, we don't know how difficult it becomes and how what the what the you know what the implications are for trying to get a player. But when you've got the hole in your boat, you you need to try and plug it, don't you? Other teams have shown that that's what you've got to do at times. It has to be some sort of emergency funding to say, okay, things aren't working here. This it's probably not going to turn around in time. So get someone 
And I think it was that transfer when the winner, when 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 Arthur Mello arrived at you know twenty five to seven uh, on a train from Runcorn or something bananas like that. Um, that you realised that we'd been hung up to dry a little bit by the owners here, hadn't we? And 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 that must have been a very frustrating time for Klopp because he, he more than anyone must have known the kind of things we needed to try and stop and the kind of things we needed to put, improve on and, and 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 wasn't given any 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 money to do that. Well, it was strange with Artemelo because he wasn't even supposed to be the first choice target from Juventus for the emergency signings. It was the the Swiss lad Zachariah who they called up and I need to be told he was already going to Chelsea if you listen to the reports and they're like oh he'll do he's better than no one um, now we're at the end of the season he's played 13 minutes like Klopp and Henderson came out on programme notes at the weekend saying how good he is how talented he is so we've not seen him like fair enough you focus on your future I would much rather see Curtis Jones in that starting 11 putting in the performances he's doing than them throwing in Artemelo when you know you're not signing permanently but the fact that he was brought in as this emergency signing having not been great at Barca and not been great at Juventus. It was a gamble and it was a desperate gamble. It was like when Rogers brought in Balotelli, like they've got nowhere left to turn. But at least Rogers was actually looking to sign players. Like he tried to get Sanchez, he tried to get Remy, Samuel Eto was on the radar. Whereas Liverpool just said, ah, we didn't get sure many. Bellingham's not available. We'll wait a year. Uh, we've still got all these players. And I've said before, you can understand the logic, their reasoning and why they stuck with what they had. Because no one saw Henderson dropping off like he did. No one saw Fabinho dropping off like he did. Cater had had just had the best season in his Liverpool career. And he's a player who's had injuries at Anfield, but he stayed fit earlier in his career. Um, Harvey Elliott was the, the dreaded cliche, like a new signing. Pesetic had a really good pre-season. Um, and, and then what? Thiago, he's someone who's always had injuries but you afford him as that luxury player. If you can get him in fit for two-thirds of the season, you've got a quality player for two-thirds of the season. But as I said earlier, they lost five players to injury straight away, and then there's just no quality left in that midfield. Uh, I did need a big one. Like Bellingham, it feels like massive, I don't know, mismanagement from them somehow. Like If you wait a year for a player, you're banging your drum. There are those flirtations there. It seemed like it was on. Like, you know he's going to cost ludicrous amounts of money. You know it's going to be a club record fee. You know he's going to cross big wages. So if you're thinking you can afford them, then surely you've got to fit it into the book somehow. You can't go, oh, wait, we need three midfielders, not one. Because Liverpool are still coming to this season where three, four players are out of contract. They're going to need more than just that one midfielder. Only takes one injury and your options are even more depleted. It's just a case of Liverpool spinning so many plates again, gambling, and it and not paying off. And that has happened a few times now in recent years. They'll say they have to make these gambles. They don't have the riches of a city or a Newcastle. They've got to be careful. They have revamped the attack quite successfully over the last 18 months. And you can understand why they don't want to do everything at once. But it has left them with egg on their faces now. And We'll all look at Jude Bellingham. We'll just be glad that he's not playing in the Premier League. If he's going to a Man City, that's a real kick, isn't it? That's a sickener. At least it's Real Madrid. You can stomach that one a little bit more. But it's a missed opportunity. Something that was... It felt within the grasp only to be stolen away. Like if Liverpool had a year ago just gone for someone else and it wasn't feeling like they're going to get him, you can sort of accept that. The same way fans have accepted Mbappe's not realistic, just can't afford him. But it, it was built up as a Liverpool future transfer that was going to happen and only to be wrestled away when the, the reality became clear. Yeah, and it's a, it is a mad one, Joe, because, uh, you know, people are saying, oh, a lot of money, a lot of money, but. The age that kid is, you could get eight, nine seasons out of him before he's at his peak. 
he's 19, 10, and 20, isn't he? I mean, he's 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 the most he's the closest thing to a Stephen Gerrard I've ever seen in that galloping, you know, dynamic getting forward, but also weighing in at the back as well. And and you just you just think, you know, it's just so we don't want to we don't want to spaff all our money on one player when we could buy three players. Well, well, no, spaff all your money on that one player and then get another couple of players because unless you can see what the teams around you are doing. You're immediately looking at dropping down at the pecking order when it comes to the league. Arsenal have just proved beautifully how incredible Liverpool are because they couldn't even sustain it for one season. You know, their tank ran out six, seven games ago. Liverpool did this for three seasons, uh, pushing United, uh, pushing City all the way and made City blow a load of money on players just to make sure they, have, they maintain the stranglehold. So it is a frustrating one, Joe, isn't it? One that we... It doesn't surprise us, unfortunately, but I mean, now I've just read today the Mason Mount thing, which I've never understood in a million years anyway, but he's just, hopefully if the report is true, um, has just announced that he'd rather go to United than Liverpool, which just beautifies <laughs> all the reasons why I wouldn't want to Liverpool. But um, the fact that he was put in the mix, Conor Gallagher, Mason Mount, these players that aren't cheap, they're not going to be cheap. And they're nowhere near the levels that Liverpool need. So it's just been a strange smoke and mirrors type uh, season, hasn't it, Joe, when it comes to potential new signings? And I'm one that will just have to wait till the close season to find out what comes through. Yeah, well, what I found a bit weird about, you know, Liverpool's sort of message that that, that they, they needed several players this summer was, first of all, I think that was obvious last year. They, they tried to, to buy a midfielder last year, so they knew they needed one. Um, I still think for a club that, the let it be known that they plan very well. It, it's funny how they, they clearly didn't plan that well, did they, when, when it came to midfield because you look what's happened this season. And again, the club that, that looks at every stat under the sun should also have looked at the stats that their players have barely ever fit. Um, so I do think there's some issues with, with some of the, the narratives around how well Liverpool plan. But, but um, I mean, I, to be fair, I disagree with you. I quite like Mason Mount. I think he's all right. And I think, and I think as well, Liverpool need they need Theo's eyes will light up here because he always talks about it. Liverpool need homegrown players, don't they? So, I mean, I think that explains Conor Gallagher and others like that. Um, but but yeah, I mean, but I think this is what happens when you need when you need three midfielders in one summer. Then yeah, you're not going to get all the ones you want, and you, and you're not even going to get all the ones that you want second on your list or third on your list because you you you're going out trying to persuade three players to join Liverpool at a time when they're not in the Champions League and, you know, Klopp can say, oh, I'm not interested in players who don't want to push us back into it. But the, the the sad fact is, is that players want to be in the Champions League, don't they? They've always made that clear. So I find that um, it's going to be annoying if they miss out on on players like Mount because even though, even though you might not like him, it means that they're probably going to have to look at a Gallagher or even worse because they're going to have to go after an English player and, Mount's probably the best one available, um, to, whose name isn't Jude Bellingham. So it's difficult. Um, I, I want them to get McAllister. Um, again, there's there's some some stuff this week that City could be interested in him. Uh, looks like it's coming from the City end. I don't know whether they're just trying to maybe maybe sort of disrupt things for Liverpool, but if they can get him over the line, I think that'd be great. Um, but yeah, they're going to need an English one and they're going to need a third one as well because the amount of people that are departing. So it, it's going to be really interesting what they do, and they probably need a defender. They probably need a right back. Yeah, they're under a lot of pressure to get things right this summer. So 
we'll see whether they live up to their billing as, as this great club that, that doesn't get transfers wrong. Well, well, when you compare it to the, the forwards, like they had to revamp the forward line. Like They had this untouchable trio of Mane, Salah and Firmino are all coming out of contract, wrong side of 30. And they've sort of quietly done it, if you think about it. Like Diaz came in January, Nunes in the summer, and then Gakpo in the January. So if you manage to bring in one big signing in three windows in a row, and like it's never really been a major issue there. Like there have been injuries, but they've still had quality forward options available. Why could they not have the same forward planning in the midfield? Why couldn't it be, I don't know, I'm not going to get Benning, I'm not going to get Shermany, but they could have gone for Mason Mount or whoever last year or someone else um, in January, something like that, and spread it out. Then it's that gradual, someone gets six months to get adjusted to Liverpool, then you bring in the next one, then you get the next one, and it's just that constant success of what you're doing. You're getting used to the football, you're getting tuned up to it, and then you can go again. Whereas if Liverpool are going to have to rebuild their entire midfield now in the space of a few weeks, when they've not missed out on just the first choice, they could miss out on the second choice, the third choice, and who knows who's the fourth, fifth choice here. You're relying on Curtis Jones to stay fit, just to give him a bit of balance. Fabinho not to drop off again, and Trent to, I suppose, if he carries on in this midfield role, be as great as he is. It's just a very bizarre scenario, as Joe said, for a team that's supposed to be so good at forward thinking and planning. Um, to do it all in one summer when it is that heartbeat of your side is is very strange. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Well, it is. It's a ripple effect, isn't it? You allow yourself to things to get out of control, and the ripple effect takes over, and then you are suddenly three or four, five players light. I mean, the right back situation is an interesting one because does he sacrifice a midfield place for for, for Trent to play in midfield? Oh, but because the only alternative is to get a right back in. If he's going to do that, you get a right back in because this floating into midfield and allowing Canate to pick up all the slack. On that right-hand side, it's just not going to work, is it? Because teams are just banging balls over the top. There's too much room. Um, when he goes in midfield, he can be very creative. But it's um, you saw it against Villa. You know they exposed it every time he he moved. And 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 so really speaking, the stability of a right back is the only thing that's going to do that because Trent can't be expected to to belt forward and belt back to beat the ball. Um, so that is an interesting headache that I don't particularly. Um, want to have and, and unfortunately Klopp does but um, I mean looking at the Villa game they did that didn't they they, they 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 just all sat behind the ball they waited for us to push that high line up and then they knocked it over the top um, some good homegrown plays I mean John McGre- John McGrellis is it he's a great player isn't he for uh, for, um, for Villa John McGinn John McGinn sorry John McGinn is he's he's a he's, uh, he's, uh, He's a busy player. He's a tough player in midfield, a homegrown player. And he, I, know they, I know they were talking about telephone numbers for him as well. And I tell you, I also quite like his Barella, who plays for Milan. He was superb in both those Milan games. He's a great player. We've been linked with him in the past, but again, you get the feeling that a lot of that is just, um, just headlines, isn't it? But certainly needs someone in that. Someone in McAllister, I think, is the ideal fit, isn't he? But if he goes to City, he'd be, he'd, I mean, they're replacing Gundogan, aren't they? Or he just decides... Bernardo Silva potentially as well. I think I read somewhere that Gundogan's possibly going to sign another extension, but what a player he is. What a player he is. And it'd be just like them to just go, oh, we'll just hijack a player that we need to just fill in that role. A very, very strange um, situation to be in. Talking about the Villa game, um, they were they, 
it was a real dip for Liverpool, wasn't it? Considering the run they'd been on, Joe. It was um, it was a, it was a, it was a tight half that the Villa managed. But a lot of the sparkle that we'd had in the previous eight games just didn't seem to be there, did it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's one of them, isn't it? They've won what? What they won in a row? Eighth, seven, eighth in a row. I think they've been in a row seven wins. I think, it? Okay, so yeah, they, and I, I kind of think you expect them one drop up. And Villa have been playing well, so. It was one of those frustrating home games where I think if one or two things had gone Liverpool's way in the first half, they got the lead, but they didn't. Then Villa take it and they just dig in. And like you say, the time wasting was, was, you know, sort of, I, I mean, as much as I've seen all season, probably with the exception of Newcastle. Um, and they just dug in Villa and played pretty well, didn't they? Made things frustrating. So it was tough. I think Liverpool... Liverpool would have gone to win it if they scored just a touch in earlier. So I, I don't know. It's, I kind of think you expect games like that. I'm not really surprised. I do think you've got a point about. I quite like the Trent right back sort of into midfield experiment, but I do think it's one of those ones that teams will figure out. And and I think buying a right back will give them options to either move him fully into midfield when they want, play him at right back into midfield, or just play him as a right back. It gives you those three options. And for example, against Villa. If they had a decent right back, they could have just brought on right back, pushed Trent into midfield, and or or dropped him back. So it's I think that would give them options. I wasn't too worried. I think I think Liverpool were always going to run out of steam a little bit in terms of you know when when Newcastle and, and United didn't drop points. I think that that Champions League spot was getting away from them. But yeah, um, the time wasting thing is is it's a funny one because we talked about it the other pod and. I was hosting, so I didn't say too much about it, but I do get frustrated with it because I just think I understand it, and I think every team does it. And you know, one nil up in a European Cup final with two minutes to go, you'd be you'd be cheering if the the players were taking half a minute to to take a throw in, or I don't know, you know, the goalkeeper was messing around with his goal kicks. But you see teams doing it from like the third minute in Anfield, and and I just think they need to have better punishments and better ways to sort of combat it because I think quite often you see a goalkeeper get a booking in like the, the 85th minute after his time wasted all game and he just goes well so what you know I'll take the booking it, it's worth it and I would like to see you know they, they added a lot of time onto that game but they definitely could have added more on because the amount of time players were legitimately or not down injured was um was probably beyond what they added on which was like 19 minutes so I think they need to sort of get wise and get harder with with some of the time wasting that goes on and punish players a little bit more harshly um, because the, the Villa just were spoiling from the word go and they, they did kind of spoil it for Liverpool. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, there's 100 minutes, over 100 minutes played in Anfield. There was apparently 56 minutes of ball-on-pitch football um, without stoppages. And when you think about that, it's just... Unbelievable, isn't it? And it'd be quite simple, wouldn't it, for a referee to book a goalkeeper in the first half and then simply say to him at the start, if that happens again, you're going off. And the first goalkeeper to get sent off for time-wasting would stop time-wasting, wouldn't it? It would certainly stop time-wasting from a goalkeeper's point of view because that completely, you know, knackers up the teams. You've got your second-string goalkeeper in goal. There. Uh, I think we mentioned as well on the pod the other day, more... Do you remember when Mignolet was um, held on to the ball too long? They got an indirect free kick and scored. I, I think if they gave more indirect free kicks for time wasting, it would make goalkeepers think twice because they they couldn't time waste too long in their own box because then then they could potentially concede the goal. So 
and the same with defenders. It, it would just it would just make things a little bit. It would even things up a little bit, but I suppose it's a difficult one. Well, I mean, I'm still trying to get my head around the Gakpo disallowed goal because it was it wasn't intentionally. I've never heard anything so ridiculous in my life that the, the Aston Villa player touches the ball, but did he touch it intentionally or not? Well, what does that matter if you've altered the course of the ball, of the flight of a ball, whether it's touched you on the leg or you've went to hit it and it's gone? And it, it's it's just it's so pedantic to say that that goal doesn't count because Van Dijk was offside because. The Aston Villa defender didn't mean to knock the ball. I mean, that's it's just phenomenal theory, isn't it? No, I understand that the rules have tweaked so they can give this, uh, whether it's deliberate or not, because this is a really obscure goal I've always remembered. It was like Middlesbrough in the mid-noughties when Liverpool punt a ball down the right-hand side that the left-back tries to head it away and gets his header completely wrong and basically just flicks onto Morientes, who's in the centre of the pitch, miles offside, but he's one-on-one, he scores, and Liverpool win 2-0. So like in that sort of circumstance you can understand why the rule changed to whether it's deliberate or not but it's a big difference between you're on the flank and you have completely messed it up like that or you're a defender in the six yard box trying to clear a ball and you've just shanked it a little bit it's not as though he's facing the wrong way and it's hit him on the back of the head he has made a deliberate attempt to play that ball and he's got it wrong with how he what he's done and Van Dyke, yeah he's offside but he's able to pounce. And it's like, you were in the six-yard box. Whether Van Dijk is there or not, you are going to try and clear that ball. If you don't, the player behind you is probably going to score. So Aston Villa got away with one there. And the officials come come out and say, well, this is what the official wording says in the rule book. It's the right decision. They all support their man. Well, fair enough. If that's what the rules say at the moment, then you need to tweak it because all football fans want to see benefit of the doubt for the offensive players. Everyone watching that was thinking, What's wrong there? That that should be a goal. The defenders made a mistake. Liverpool have scored from it. There is nothing wrong with that. This is what fans want to see. Any fan of the team that scores that goal and has it disallowed is furious that it's disallowed. Any fan of a team that has conceded that goal and has got lucky because it's disallowed just thinking, yeah, we've got a one, away with one there. So you give the benefit of the doubt to the offensive players because you want to see goals. So it's either change the rules or have some clarity in there because I came out and said, what well, is a subjective decision? And Klopp said, well, it's. I think it's deliberate. The official thought it wasn't. And that that's the end of it. It's like, well, it needs a bit more clarity there. Like the fact he's gone to check the monitor as well it means the VAR weren't sure which way to go either. So it's just one person makes a decision and everyone inside Anfield disagreed with it. And from what we're hearing this week, quite a lot of the footballing world in England at least disagree with it as well. Yeah, it's ridiculous. If, I mean, I don't know whether it's sort of just being paranoid, but since... Klopp had his little outburst about Paul Taney. Apart from the fact that he got fined more than James uh, than Ivan Tony did for sixty odd breaches of uh, of gambling regulations, he got a fifty thousand pound fine, and Klopp got a seventy five thousand pound fine for for showing his frustration at a referee. Um, it just seems that the refereeing's gone worse, particularly at Anfield and particularly against Liverpool. With I mean, some of them decisions against Villa were absolutely ridiculous. You know, shirts being pulled and. Little tugs in, and they're getting away with it, and we're not getting, we're not getting anything. It just seems like a really frustrating time, doesn't it? It does. I, 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 it's one of them, you know. I don't, um, don't always buy into referee conspiracies, but it, I did find that decision odd. You know the, that he got sent to the monitor. Just thought like the player tries to play the ball and sends it the wrong way, um, or or doesn't get enough on it, so it doesn't go out. You know, I think he's trying to put it out for a corner. He doesn't. He doesn't do do it well enough, and it goes to Van Dyke. So therefore, he should 
he should pay for it, shouldn't he? So I don't know. I just think that that was poor. Obviously, the Tottenham game is a bit mad. Um, but yeah, I just I just think it's one of them. You know, it's one, one of those seasons where things haven't gone for us, and and um, they always seem to get worse and worse, don't they? When they don't, some I think Liverpool will, if they're better, they'll create their own luck, and I think um, I think we'll see them we'll see them improve and, and perhaps get the rub of the green a bit more next season because this year there isn't you know if you if you score a winner we're not talking about that that decision are we really you know the, the Tottenham stuff didn't really bother us as much because they scored a winner so it's one of them um, I don't like to dwell too much on it but yeah some of the referee decisions have been slightly odd well a couple of things to mention for um for the for the Aston Villa game, of course, the last game at home, so we um, we pretty much said goodbye to four players, didn't we? Um, but also, we have to mention the seven minutes applause for Dan, um, a colleague of ours, a colleague of your guys, you guys mostly, um, someone I knew for about five years, really, since starting these pods. I know Pod Joe was my my first and most 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 frequent guest with Neil Jones when we started these pods, uh, but then Dan come along and. Um, we were there Friday, obviously last Friday for his for, for his funeral, and um, I've said it. I've said it on a previous podcast with with Pete, but um, people like him don't come along very often, and it was a, a a wonderful, a wonderful tribute to to know, and something that he would have absolutely loved, isn't it? Something to to have. He was a very quiet, very unassuming man, very funny lad. Didn't put himself first in any circumstance whatsoever, but he would have had a smile on his. On his on his face, wouldn't he? When it's on the TV, it cut to a picture of a banner with Dan written on it, and all the people applauding. It's the ultimate for a Liverpool fan, isn't it? He was a, a massive Liverpool fan, Theo, and it was just a, a very touching moment to, to start the game. It's been so many touching moments since the, the sad news, and it says a lot about Dan as a person. Like there is such a, an outpouring of love. Like there was so many people at his funeral. And so many people wanted to pay tribute to him, shed their stories of him. People that didn't even know him personally, but have been listening to these podcasts or read his work. He, he was a superb ambassador for us as a company, for the city, for Liverpool Football Club, for like Everton and Trammer as well. He's done so much for like the Hillsborough families. And it's so sad that he's no longer with us. And But you'd like to think he knew how much he, he was loved. Um, like even the banner itself is you take a proper look at it some of the details on it are stunning aren't they like it's covered his life really well for what is a really simple banner and like he's so proud of Liverpool as a club Liverpool as a city um we, we are now to the Eurovision village after after his funeral and it's like he'd have loved to have been part of that just getting in the atmosphere of celebrating Liverpool as a city as the, the whole of Europe was watching um Sadly, no like silverware. Liverpool competing at the best stage of European football this year, but he's again he'd he'd have loved a trip to Dublin for the final next year, uh, and he's really badly missed. There have been so many moments like just in the office where you think, "Ah, oh, I need to check something." Oh, I could have asked Dan that, and this is going to be the case for years and years and years to come. But he's got his legacy, doesn't he? He's done so much, as I said, for this company, for the city as a whole, for so many people. He's touched so many lives and. The fact that he didn't have any direct family, but everyone feels like, like he was part of the family. That, that's perfect tribute to he, his memory will live on. Yeah, he's part of a massive family. And Joe, it was lovely that it was number seven as well. The seventh minute is here, always Kenny. And it's just 
just very fit. You know, it, 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 it was it was after that seventh minute, I think I didn't really care what happened with the game. I'll be honest with you. It was just such an incredible tribute in there. And I, I and I know you feel the same as Theo, mate. It was a, it's 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 been a shocking thing that will take us a long time to to deal with and get over, mate. Yeah, it was um, it was devastating, and um, I don't, don't think Dan would have believed it if you'd have told him that that Anfield would have, would have you know applauded for him and, and given him the tribute that that it did, and and um, you know he got kind of mentioned on match today, and you know, the outpouring of of emotion of support. Um, it's been it's been incredible. Um, I, you know, the, the the club have been absolutely amazing. Um, really, has you know, sort of, I, th- I can't they can't put the words together, but it it's made me really really happy to see the way the club have, have responded and given their support. Not just not just um, you know, with the with the 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 the, the clap and the the um the banner and everything like that, but just personally and behind the scenes and just you know little classy touches that that I think meant a lot to a lot of people. So um, you know, Dan was massively loved. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, I just don't really have the words, but I, you know, we miss him, miss him a lot. I miss him a lot. Um, can't really believe he's gone, and, and yeah. Um, yeah, I don't really have the words. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's right, mate. Totally understandable. Well, listen, we'll move on. We all love Dan. We always will. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Um, we did lose some players as well, of course. Um, James Milner, who has been an absolute legend uh, at the club. Uh, Oxlade Chamberlain, who, who more than did his bit. Unfortunately, injury had, had something to say about that. I think that you can clearly talk about uh, Naby Keita in that same in that same thing if they do a mural if I said this again in, in the other uh, in the pod I did with, uh, with Peter Hooten if they did a mural of Naby Keita it'd just be a treatment bench on a wall wouldn't it but um, I mean I suppose the one that really got us all was Bobby wasn't it Bobby Firmino leaving was, was a huge especially after coming on and scoring and pretty much doing what he he did so much for Liverpool Football Club Um and you know what? It's such a fitting tribute to, to to the club and to him to see. I don't know whether you've seen the, and I'm sure you guys will know that there's there's footage around of him, the boxes that he left for 200 members of staff and behind the scenes kitchen staff, football and, and players. These beautiful kind of Firmino boxes with a signed shirt and 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 and, and, and the perfume or the or, or, or the uh, the aftershave and a little kind of trail of photographs of a story I feel players like that come along and it's a family isn't it it it, it, it exceeds football clubs doesn't it I remember being told a long time ago with a little name drop Ray Houghton saying to me um once you once you join Liverpool you never join any other club it's 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 in your it's in your blood it's 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 it means far more than just a football team and I think that footage of uh of Bobby Firmino leaving all those presents uh, just sums up the kind of when a balance is right, Theo, with a player and a club and a fan base that just all get each other. And um, and he felt compelled to leave a thank you to so many people. Just a, a remarkable man, wasn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> he's, a, he's a club legend. Like He's been central to so much of this success and he's, Lived a lifetime here, hasn't he? Like Klopp said it in his press conference that when he joined, like, his kids were they weren't born, they were babies. 
So he's like grown up a whole life and Liverpool is a part of them. Like it will be the latest Liverpool player to go my kids are scousers. Um, but yeah, he's so central to the transformation on the pitch as that false nine, getting the best out of every single player around him. He was born to entertain. Like I think he's probably deep down, we don't have too many favourites, do we? Because they're all legends. They've all won absolutely everything. But everyone has got that extra warm bit of affection for Bobby. Like the fact that Michael Edwards comes, comes and says, I don't have a favourite signing, but my dog's called Bobby. That, that says it all. I think we all feel something similar to that. Like he scored so many important goals, so many assists, so many moments where you just go, wow, how's he done that? And he perhaps didn't get the credit he deserved at times because Salah was stealing headlines, Mane was stealing headlines, and he went a little bit under the radar. And then he, he was got a little bit older. He declined a little bit sooner in terms of he wasn't getting 20, 30 goals while the other goals were. Jota came in, Nunes, Gakpo, uh, Diaz. But this season, when he's been available, he still stepped up with some big goals and some big moments. And I don't think any of us are ready for him to leave. Like We've all been happy for him to come and be a squad player for another couple of years if he wanted to, but he's still got a chance to be first choice elsewhere. Uh, he hinted that he could return one day, so who knows, maybe we'll do a, a Drogba. We'll see him come back to just be a sub for a season in a few years because Liverpool's been a big part of his family's life, his life. Like, if you saw them during the lap of honour, um, the family, like his parents, uh, I'm not sure who the rest of the relatives were, but along, along with his kids, they're holding up the gifts he got from the, the club and showing it to the fans. They've made up their own little flags and are waving it around. Liverpool was a huge part of their life, the same as they've been a huge part of every fan's and Liverpool's uh, life. And it'll be a big miss for them. I'm sure there've been plenty of tears at their little farewell, but that was another classy touch from him. He goes to see the mural himself the day after his final home game. Spends all that time with fans just there. I'm not sure if he announced that he was going to that. Uh, Doily, who stayed in the press box, I think, later than most on Saturday after the game. It's like, for me, I was like the last man to leave the pitch, trying to sign as many pictures, post for as many photos as he could. He didn't want to leave Anfield. And we're seeing some of the scenes from his send-off where they're all singing Si Senor to him, beaming smile, and these gifts he's left behind as well. Um, whenever he, he's next back at Liverpool, be it as an away player, playing for the Liverpool legends or just in the stands because he fancies watching them one last time. Uh, he'll be welcome back when he with the warmest of receptions. It, he is one of these big Liverpool legends. That we, we've had a, a generation where we've not had too many world-class elite cream of the crop legends, but Firmino is one of the first in this generation and we'll never forget him. There's not going to be another one like him. No, we're going to miss them teeth, Joe, aren't we? Beaming away. And <laughs> karate kick celebrations and anything the other players' heads off. But it's just... Like a, you know, like the old days when you have Bruce Grobbler messing around in between the sticks. You know, he just brought something, didn't he? he brought a, a charisma. He brought a panto. He brought style to, to 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 what he did at Liverpool, and as well as of course being an absolute worldy footballer with an incredible brain. That was it, was it? it, it you, you, you're on the money there with charisma. I just think he he had something about him, didn't he? Everything from the teeth to the different haircuts to the style of play. You know, like. We can all remember the turns, you know, we've talked about our favourite goals in the day and, you know, I love that goal against Arsenal where he sort of dances through their defence, leaves them all on their backsides and, and just slots it under the goalkeeper for a hat-trick. And, um, the wall, last minute walls to PSG, last minute. I mean, it's so you didn't mention PSG on Friday. And you think the fact that he, he didn't start that game because he'd had the eye injury the day before. He was in doubt whether he could even be fit to play 
he scores that in the last minute and then does that as the celebration that, that sums him up perfectly. Yeah, he, he, he was just a class act, wasn't he? And, and he had that because he didn't speak a lot. It, it sort of again sort of all fed into this like bit of a character and bit of a legend. So yeah, great player. And, and, and just a word on Milner as well. He would think slightly unlucky to be going at the same time as, as Firmino because he's kind of um, sort of fading into the background a little bit. But what a player he's been for Liverpool. Free signing, probably the best that they've ever had. And um, incredible personality behind the scenes. Just incredible work ethic. Everything we want in, in what, what a player can be when they join in terms of their professionalism. Um, again, played in part his part in some massive, massive moments. Um, sometimes forgotten about in some of those moments as well. So, um, yeah, obviously a key, key player when they won the Champions League that season with all those assists. And and just, you know, someone that bought into what Liverpool's about. And I think you don't always get players who do that. I think, and I think Milner, considering he'd been at some big clubs before he came to Liverpool and, and played his part in some big moments, you know, obviously won leagues with City, came to Liverpool and, and now I think the biggest thing you could say about Milner is you'll remember his club as Liverpool, won't you? Not, not as City, not as anyone else. It'll, it'll always be Liverpool, so fair play to him. And, and yeah, you know, Keita, Oxley as well. You know, I think that a shame maybe with the way their careers have turned out in terms of injuries, but both played their part. And, um, you know, we, we should be thankful to anyone who's played their part and what has been a brilliant, brilliant era with great trips and, and great, Great days out and um, and some trophies as well. So fair play. Well, it's easy to forget. He was like thirty, wasn't he, when he joined the club? Like if you'd said that summer, oh, he's going to be here for eight years. He's going to win the lot. People would have laughed at you. And it's essentially almost a replacement for Steven Gerrard. Like I'm not saying anyone could ever replace him on the pitch, but we've lost our long-serving captain. We need a leader. We need an experienced midfielder. He can come in. He's going to be a leader. He's he's done it all at City. And yeah, he's delivered perfectly. He's done it his own way. And he is another loyal servant to the club. And as Joe said, Liverpool is his club. He said on um, Saturday, I didn't think when I joined that any club could touch me as much as this club has. Like you'd have thought Leeds, his boy had scythed, that would have been the one. He had great stints at Villa and Man City. But he's another player you will just think Liverpool. He's been this vice captain for eight years. He might not have lifted any of the trophies himself, despite Henderson's best efforts, but he's been right at the centre of all the success. And it'll be a huge miss. And he's another one. You can't wait to see him back at Anfield in some capacity one day, whether it's opposing player or hopefully soon as a coach, because he is vital behind the scenes and you want him to be back playing a role in some part in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, if ever a man deserves a cheeky little of him, so it was him. Uh, all right, listen, last game of the season, Southampton. Uh Couple of players. Well, I mean, listen, I'm going to throw a care for that idea, but what about a little cheeky um, James Ward Prowse on a, on a cheap one? I'd take him. Definitely, I'd take him. Think. Really, really, I mean, the set pieces are phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, and I think that having that sort of weapon in your squad is is really good, isn't it? It's it's really handy. Can you imagine, like, late in the game, if you get a free kick and you can bring him off the bench or whatever? So, I'd certainly take him. It depends how much they want for him, but with them going down, you'd like to think that they they. Um, they they wouldn't be asking for too much. Um and he's he, well, he, not just a shift in that lads. As Theo pointed out the other day to me that he's played under Arsenal who, who obviously was a big was a big presser, wasn't he, in terms of his, his style of play. And um 
and as well, he's he's homegrown as well, so he, he ticks a lot of boxes. I, I I'd certainly take him. He'd be like your third midfield signing, yeah, yeah. just a couple of others, definitely. Well, they're talking about Lavio as well, the Romeo Lavio, is it, whatever his name is. He's a he's a midfield player from Southampton. They're talking about very young lad as well. Could be the Liverpool way, Leo, couldn't it? To just Theo, sorry, to just try and get a few. Six yeah, they've got enough um, Man City, I think. So Man City have got this buyback clause. I'm not sure if it's active this summer or next summer, but that means Southampton might. I think if it's next summer, Southampton have to try and cash in now to get a bit more for him. But he seems to have done quite well in his first season in uh, regular Premier League football, despite the relegation. He's a bit of a, a number six, isn't he? And he's not, certainly when you go through their players, one that ticks the box, grabs your eye. But as he's such a young player in that holding midfield role, you could also argue they've already got one of their own just because he's been injured for a couple of months. Besetic can tick that box easily. And he, he certainly impressed all of us when he got his chance earlier in the season. Um, it just depends the collective of what Liverpool can do in midfield. Like, we'll resign to the fact that they're probably not going to go be able to find a way to go back in for Bellingham. That, that's done. Um, wait and see on McAllister and Mason Mount. It just depends what is the combination of names here. Like If you could say they're going to get, say, a Barella, they're going to get McAllister, and then you've got Lavia or Ward-Prowers. Everyone's happy with that. Mm-hmm. But if you're saying it's Gallagher, Tillemans on a free, and then one of them, everyone's going, oh, God, this is going to be a long season. Yeah, tricky. We just get, let's just buy nine just to cover it. Uh, all right, listen, very, very quickly before we go, thanks for your company, guys. Uh, a results prediction for the last game of the season away to Southampton. Um, what do you think, Theo? Um, let's go 3 1 Liverpool. Southampton are down. Both sides will be on the beach. I love, but I love the fact that we are still at that phase where, uh, even though Arsene Becker has been the player of the season, we are still throwing a one in, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> We're not overly confident. Joe? Yeah, I'd say the same. Fancy them to go out high and Southampton to down. Yeah, I think 3 will Liverpool. Let's hope so. I'll go, I'll go 3-0. Where's your faith in our keeper and our back four? All right, guys, listen, thanks very much. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to have you two on. Um, and please come back soon and guest with us. And um, speak to you soon, Joe. Take care, pal. Cheers. Thanks very much. And Theo, I'll see you soon, pal. Catch you a bit, Fizzy. Uh, thank you. That was Poetry in Motion. And uh, from me, Neil Fitz, uh, coming to the end of the season. But let's hope we can strengthen up and bounce back as the Liverpool we've known for the last couple of seasons. Uh, enjoy yourselves, guys, and uh, we'll see you. I'm not sure there's going to be any stuff going on during the close season. Maybe there will be. Hopefully will. I'll be speaking to you soon. Um, so from me, Joe Rimmer, and Theo Squires, and Dan Case sitting up there on his cloud playing a little harp. Uh, we love you, Dan, and we'll see you all again soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.